0: Well, you, you have your Bible open to Third John. It is a very small letter. It's a, you can think of it as a book, but then, you know, it's only a half a page. And uh, someone made the comment this morning. It was one of our younger children here at uh, First Baptist. He looked at his mom and, and looked at the text and said, Wow, Mom, this sermon's going to be short. This is just a short text. Well, I will do everything I can to keep it within a... 35, 40-minute time length. But let me tell you, the message here, even though the letter is small, the the message is extremely impactful. And I think many of us can relate to the impact that a letter can have in our life. You know, think back to some of the letters that you've received. Maybe you have, uh, maybe it was as a kid, and uh, you received one of those little notes um, in an envelope. And uh, you're eager to open up, especially again around Valentine's Day, and it maybe said, like, will you be mine? That made a big, big impact on your life for that day. Or as you get, you know, as we go on in life, there are so many letters, like a reference letter means a lot. Or maybe it's a letter that you receive from um, a loved one or a grandparent. Or, you know, maybe um, it's when we receive a letter from one of our kids. I mean, those, those letters are precious, my wife and I have a box. Actually, we have three boxes now of letters that are cards that we keep um, just because they have made an impact on our lives. Encouraging. Well, this letter is certainly one of those letters. This letter was written by the Apostle John. Now think of the, the author, the human author of the Gospel of John. He he writes first, second, and third John, and he's writing and to a friend named Gaius. Now, there's not, we don't know a whole lot about Gaius except for this letter, but let me tell you what we learn from this letter. It is amazing, and we learn just the affection that the Apostle John has for Gaius, and it gives us a great example of the type of affection and the love that we should have for one another. So I'm going to ask you just a few questions, rhetorical questions, just for you to think through them. But to give us an idea of the affection that John had for guys, let me just read a few. Let me ask you, how invested are you in another person's life? How well do you know them, and how interested are you to know them better? How well received would your voice of reason or godly counsel be to them And how deeply encouraging would your show of support mean to them? How much do you care for their well being? And how willing are you to sacrifice for their good? How much does it matter when they succeed, or how painful is it to you when they fail? How much joy do you experience? When they follow Jesus, or how much sorrow do you have when they don't? As I think about these questions, as I think about my life, like, uh, I realize, oh, how precious, how rare, how a incre- a, a beautiful, incredibly beautiful a gift is of friendship like that. Someone that would think about me, that would care for me, that would be interested to get to know me to that level. And then when I think about, all right, Andy, am I exhibiting that type of care for anyone else? I'm challenged. I'm encouraged. But this, those questions, that gives us a glimpse into the affection that John had for Gaius. And so you already have heard, reads, so and you have your Bible open, but let's just read again verse 1, or let me read verse 1 the elder to the beloved gaius whom i love in truth so there's several times right at the very beginning we see a deep love that uh, john has for gaius you know when you think about the letter there's many different ways to begin a letter you you may have written a letter that goes something like to whom it may concern now that might get the job done. That may communicate what you intend, but that's certainly not going to communicate any affection. But now if you want to share a little bit more affection, you might say, dear Mr. or dear Mrs. So-and-so. All right, that's a little bit better. It's a little bit more intimate than to whom it may concern. But then when you re- maybe when you receive a letter that says something like, my dear friend. Wow, that's just just my dear friend. That almost invites you, and you're just eager. Let me read the rest of this. And then even more intimate than that might be my dearest, and then add the word. Maybe it's sweetheart. Maybe it's honey. Or my dearest friend. So imagine that. Now, look when you look at John, and you look at this letter that he's writing to guys, this is of of, incredible. very intimate. This is of the maximum you can go as far as showing Gaius how much he care, John cares for him. He says, you are beloved. I love you in the truth. And that, that phrase, in the truth, is very helpful for us to understand. So as we, as we begin to look at this letter, John is going to conclude this letter to Gaius. He's going to conclude it by saying, imitate those who do well. Do not imitate those who do evil. And so, as John writes this letter to Gaius, he's going to give several examples. He's going to use Gaius as an example. But several reasons of how we can determine who a faithful leader is. Because he's, he's going to urge Gaius to imitate someone, imitate those who do well. And so, the question that we have today is, well, how can we identify a faithful leader? From time to time, as throughout this morning, we'll even think of a faithful church. We want to be a faithful church. And so we can also substitute the, the concept of, how do, what does it mean to be a faithful church? Well, as you, be, as you see here, first, a faithful leader is going to care for those grounded in the truth. John is communicating a deep care for, for Gaius. And then he says, I love you in the truth. When you think about friendships... You think about some of the relationships that you have uh, with people. Many times, there's something that draws you together. There's some affinity. Maybe uh, you think about the friends or the, the friends that you have in your neighborhood. And so, as you go and you walk around the block, you'll see different um, people that you have your friends with. It's the neighborhood that brings you together. Should you move from that neighborhood, it's going to be, you know, you're going to have to work a little harder to maintain those friends. Or maybe we have friends based on our job, where we work. You, we get to know certain, certain friends there, and it's the, it's the job that kind of holds us together. But as, as you know, as, as we all know, when you relocate to another place, and then those friendships, you've got to work harder. Maybe it's based around a hobby or an interest, there's so many different things that, that that can bring us together. But I want us to notice in verse 1, at the very beginning, John is communicating to Gaius, the reason for my love is because I love you in truth. There is a common conviction that John shares with Gaius that is unlike any other um, uh, thing that would tie us together. The the affection that John has for Gaius is grounded in Jesus Christ. And we'll see that later in this letter. He's saying, I love you in the truth. But notice, he not only cares for Gaius by loving him and, and loving him in an affectionate way, but he also prays for them. It is a joy to know when someone prays for you. When you know them, when your friendship, when you, you, know, when you see them in the hall, where you see them in the middle of the week, and they'll, they'll communicate something, they'll pray for you. Notice how John prays for Gaius. This is amazing. He says, beloved, again, this term of affection. So he's, he's communicating a deep care for Gaius. He says, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. John is praying for Gaius. There's three things that he, he brings out that he's praying for Gaius. One, he's just praying. There's The, the idea there that it may go well with you, think of prosperity. He's praying that this person, Gaius, prospers, that his, he will have just a great life, that his life will go well. And then he has, he prays for his health. It's a good thing to pray for each other's health. And so, Gaius or John says, "I pray that you would be in good health." But both his, the fact that Gaius's life will go well and the fact that he's you know he's praying for health those are grounded in this last thing, which is really for John is the most important thing that he prays for Gaius. Verse two. John says, I I pray that it will go well with your soul. So the depth of how much he wants to pray for his health, how much he wants Gaius to prosper, it's in relation to his soul. The most important thing that John does for Gaius is, I pray that your soul will be well. So let me ask you a question. If you were going through a need, uh, just a... um, you needed someone to, to pray for your health, and they, they said to you, and they responded something like this, yes, I'm going to pray for your health. In fact, I'm going to pray for your health, for it to be as well as your soul is. That can be, that's going to be challenging. It's like, okay, well, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I've just asked you to pray for, for my health. John said, no, I want to pray in such a way that your health or your life is doing as well as your soul. Our souls are of utmost importance. Again, it's a good thing for brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a good thing for us to pray for each other, uh, physical, in, this, in, this, in our church. It's a good thing to pray occasionally that the Lord would open, you know, just uh, direct your paths. But it's even a better thing, the best thing to pray for each other's soul. Mark 8, 36 and 37 says, What good is it for man? To gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul. Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And so we learn here that John, the way that he cares for Gaius is that he prays for them. He prays for his health, but he he prays for his spiritual health most importantly. But now look at verse 3. There is a deep emotion and affection, a faithful leader... Or a healthy church, they're going to rejoice with those who walk in the truth. Verse three says, "For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth." So, one thing we learn about Gaius is that not only is he walking in the truth, but he's 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 living in it and he believes it. He says. John is saying, I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came to me. So in other words, John didn't have a chance to see Gaius face-to-face at this moment. He's having reports. The reports of this man named Gaius is coming back to John. And he is rejoicing in their testimony of him. He is delighting in these brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says in verse 3, I rejoiced Greatly, when the brothers came and they testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. Gaius' conduct is consistent with his confession. Gaius believes that that Jesus Christ uh, is Lord. He believes in the truth and he's also walking in that truth. And John is delighting in that. A faithful leader rejoices with those who walk in the truth. John also says in another letter, 1 John 3, he says, Little children, not us, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And so John is delighting. But I want us to look at verse 4. Verse 4, we have an, an insight into just how much he's rejoicing over Gaius' faith. How much he's rejoicing over the testimony that Gaius is living faithfully. Verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Wow. Let me ask this question. What brings you the greatest joy? What makes you happiest? When you hear this, whatever this is, What is it that when you hear that your joy and your excitement and your delight is at, it's the maximum that it will ever be? As I think about that, I mean, there's a lot of things that can bring us joy. Good health. We're all thankful for that. Maybe it's it's like our children that are happy and content and they're cared for. Or may that, that will have many grandchildren or that will have a healthy retirement. All these things are good, but the question is, what brings you the greatest joy? John, in his letter to Gaius, as, he's, as he sat down and just communicated his love and affection to Gaius, he says, Gaius, I have no greater joy than hearing that you walk in the truth. As a parent, this is, stands over me. And I just think about, Lord, do I have this much joy over my kids? Do I place as much emphasis on my children's love for Scripture as I do for their love for their homework and studies? Do I talk about their relationship with God as much as I talk about and care about their relationship with their peers? Do I prepare my children to find a healthy church when they leave our home as much as I talk about finding the college that, that they need to attend? And We could go on and on. There, the fact that John had this great joy in Gaius's life challenges me. It's like, Lord, I want to have that type of joy. But notice, John is not just speaking of his children in his home. I mean, he's writing to Gaius. Gaius is a friend, and so it extends beyond the children. And John, his joy, the most important truth that he can hear is that people that he's invested in will walk in the the truth. And so a faithful leader is going to rejoice with those who walk in the truth. A A healthy church will rejoice most when they hear brothers and sisters in Christ growing in the faith. Let's just pray that we would have that type of joy. That we would love that much like John loved that for Gaius. Well, let's look at verse 5. Also, a faithful leader or a healthy church, a faithful church partners with those proclaiming the truth. Verse 5. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. So again, John is writing Gaius, and he says, "Guys, Gai- it is a faithful thing you do. Now, notice what I love about this is that he is going to talk about, he's, he's going to commend Gaius, He's going to commend other brothers and sisters in Christ for partnering with missionaries, partnering with church planners, partnering with other people. But he notices Gaius, is his, the faithful thing that Gaius does is he loves those people. Look, look again, verse 5. It is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts because they testified to your love before the church. Gaius loved the believers. Sometimes we, f- we think, oh, to be faithful, you know, I need to go, you know, whatever, do X, Y, or Z. If, if I'm going to be faithful, I need to go overseas. If I'm going to be faithful, I need to plant, I need to, you know, do something like what we just said Stephen did, is doing to, you know, the, the church at the Chinese Reformed Church. But notice Gaius is your everyday, he's just a faithful friend of John and John is saying, "You have been faithful, Gaius. You're loving the brothers and sisters in Christ." And so we have the joy, we have the privilege to partner. And by partnering, we get to enter into their labor. We get a, you know, we get to partner with them as they go and share the gospel to all the nations. And so, verse verse five, John is just encouraging Gaius that he's being faithful by caring for these, these brothers. But this idea of strangers as they are, I love that. We at First Baptist, we, we have, we have so, we're so rich, so blessed to be able to have people that we know from our church go and share the, na- the name of Christ with other nations. We know people by name. That is such a rich blessing that the Lord has blessed us with. But you know this text here, regardless if we know a brother or sister in Christ by name, we have the responsibility and the joy to partner with brothers and sisters in Christ to share the gospel all over and that 's why when Chase was talking about the uh, the Annie Armstrong offering and and what that is around this time for Easter in this church we um, we collect um, some money to to go and support. Southern Baptists that are planting churches in this country. We support the North American Mission Board. We don't know them all by name, but we know they love Christ, and it is a joy to partner with them. Here, John is writing and he's commending Gaius. He's saying, Gaius, it is a faithful thing that you do. And notice verse six the brothers are testified, they testify to your love before the church. You do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. So John was urging Gaius, continue to love them, but you're going to love them by caring for them, their needs, being hospitable, but also sending them well. Here We want to invest in people here, but we also want to send them well. The church, this early church was, was doing a good job. John was encouraging Gaius that they're doing a good job by sending well. Notice verse seven. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. I love this. Verse seven gives us insight as why it was so important For Gaius to support these people. Verse 8, verse 7, it's because they they have gone out for the sake of the name. There's one name, one name under heaven by which we can be saved. It is there's one name by which when we take the name of Christ, we we are offering hope to anyone and everyone that we share the name of Christ with. I just want to, us to th- th- here or listen to a few of these verses. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Gaius was so eager, and the early church was so eager to partner with these strangers—people that they did not even know by name. They—they they were strangers, but they partnered with them because they knew the name of Christ, and it's the name of Christ that gives us salvation. Look at first, or listen to First John chapter two, verse twelve. I am writing to you, little children. Because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Jesus Christ alone has the power to forgive sin. Jesus Christ alone has the power to to cover our sin. Acts chapter 5. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for who? Dishonor for the name of Christ. And so in verse 7, we have insight is into why was it that Gaius was so eager to support? Why, why, was it, why was he so eager to be faithful and love them? It was because it was the bond, that affinity that they had. For the They have gone out for the sake of the name. And this phrase that we have, accepting nothing from the Gentiles, they didn't want to water down. They wanted, the missionaries, they wanted to be clear that it was Jesus Christ that was God's people that was providing for them. They would not accept anything from unbelievers. They wanted to speak the name of Christ. Verse eight, therefore we may, that we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. As we pray for Missionaries, as we pray for church planners all over the globe, we are supporting, we are fellow workers of, of the truth. And so, what a great responsibility we have at First Baptist Church to continue to pray for people that we send out. But notice verse 9 through 10, 9 and 10. We also need to be aware of and expose those who undermine the truth. Verse nine. John wants Gaius to make sure he knows this. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing. He's he's talking wicked nonsense against us. I mean, I just love that that wicked nonsense. I mean, Diotrephes is doing damage. And then look look, he's not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. There are five characteristics of Diotrephes that is a danger for all of us, and we must be aware, and we must see that. Number one, notice Diotrephes. He loved to put himself first. He delighted in himself. Diotrephes had a high view of himself. John is writing to Gaius, and he's making sure that Gaius understands, do not imitate people like that, that all they want to do is pedestal, you know, stand on a pedestal, and all they want to do is promote their own name. Diotrephes was that type of person. But also, look at Diotrephes. Number two, a characteristic of who to stay away from is he would dismiss authority. Look, Not only did Diotrephes like to put himself first, but he does not acknowledge our authority. He also denigrated others. He was talking wicked nonsense. What that is is slander. So that is a term that we can um, often say that. Oh, that means wicked, wicked nonsense, or that's wicked good. Well, this was absolutely bad, wicked nonsense. Diotrephes was spreading rumors. He was spreading rumors. He was slandering. And John is reminding Gaius, be careful of that man. Be careful of that. He he also declines fellowship. Look at the end of verse 11. He refuses to welcome the brothers, and he also stops those who wants to and puts them out of the church. So he he sabotages faithfulness. These are all characteristics of diatrophies, and John is saying beware. And so a healthy church, a healthy church is going to be one that exposes those who undermine the truth. We have to be vigilant at that. that. The truth of Jesus Christ is worthy to exalt and worthy to embrace, but we must be aware of people like diatrophies that tries to undermine the truth. But there is a phrase here that's it's convicting and it also should should cause us pause. Notice verse 10. Diotrephes, once he got in this habit, notice the scripture where it says and not content with that. Well what what's what's John urging Gaius? He says, listen, this man named Diotrephes, he likes to put himself first. Oh, he he will dismiss authority. He will also even sabotage or slander, but you know he's not even. That's not even going to meet his needs. He's not content with that. And a lesson that we can learn from Diotrephes is that we need to realize that sin never satisfies this man named diotrephes it wasn't enough for him to think a lot about himself it wasn't enough for him to disregard authority he couldn't get enough of sinning and it should it should it should frighten us we should stay as far away from anything that would compromise scripture because sin will not satisfy and so when we are deceived and thinking well it's you know i'm just going to share this this one little thing or this, I'm okay, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna just go ahead and, and sin or disobey God in this area. It's not gonna really affect who I am. Diotrephes, he could not keep from sinning. Sin never satisfies. But lastly, I want us to look and see how a faithful leader, a healthy church will commend those who imitate the truth. Verse 11, beloved, Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. He has one more example. He says, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony and know that our testimony is true. So John is writing to Gaius. He warned guys He stay away from diatrophies, but imitate, follow people like Demetrius. Demetrius is, again, just all we know from Demetrius is, is here in verse 12 that he had a good testimony from everyone. And again, it was all centered around the truth, the doctrine, the person of Jesus Christ. It is so important so important to know that only Jesus Christ can forgive sin. And John is elevating the example of Demetrius to, just to urge guys to say, imitate people like that. Verse 13, he ends with this I had much more to write to you, but I'd rather not write with pen and ink. Now, to tell you if you know anything about me over the last fifteen months, I've absolutely loved writing with pen and ink. This is really so. I think, okay, Lord, what, what about this? But pen, I love there's the fountain pens. I love a handwritten letter. I just I, I enjoy that. In fact, I'm embarrassed to share with you just how many hours that I've spent on trying to perfect the, this certain style of penmanship. I got a lot of work to do, but. When we come to this, there's a principle here that's so important for us, and it goes back to that deep affection that we have for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. John is writing Gaius, and it's an affectionate letter. It's a letter that guarantees, if you would, if Gaius, you know, when Gaius received this, he treasured it. Matter of fact, God has preserved this letter for us today, it's living and active. God's writing this letter to us, teaching us, and then at the end, John, though, in in such an affectionate letter, he just says, verse 14, I hope to see you soon. And so, writing letters, perfecting penmanship, all that, they may have a place, but it's not Near as healthy and helpful to the joy of seeing people face to face, and John's affection with Gaius is essentially, Gaius, I want you, I love you, you know that. Continue to walk in the faith. Let me urge you to do that, and let me urge you to stay away from 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 people like Diotrephes. Imitate Demetrius, but know one thing: I just long to see you in person, and so. I think for us as the church, it's important just to thank God for the the joy that we have. in In doing like this is coming together, worshiping Christ together. We need each other. We need brothers and sisters in Christ to come together to encourage us. To see people face to face. The intimacy of fellowship is a gift. In verse 15, John ends his letter to Gaius. He says, peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Now, this is one of the only places in Scripture that this term friends is used in this way. Oftentimes, you'll see brothers and sisters. You'll see, greet the brothers here. Greet the brothers and sisters. Greet the Christians but here, John ends his letter to Gaius and he reminds Gaius there is a deep friendship that I have. And there are other friends. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. So, as I mentioned earlier in, you know, in this letter, as we looked at this letter, there's a lot of things that can draw us together. In fact, this past weekend, for Many of us, this past couple weeks, there's been an event that probably has drawn a lot of us together for a short season of time. But here in verse 15, when John ends his letter and says, Peace be with you, there is one thing, one truth, and one truth only that will not only be helpful for our relationships here for now, but when we have Jesus Christ in common. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, not only do we have an affection for each other now, but through grace, the grace of God in our life, through faith in Jesus Christ, we will have a relationship with each other for eternity. And so it is that, it is that basis, it is that truth that John finalizes his writing to Gaius and says, peace be to you. Romans chapter 5. Verse 1 speaks of the peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. Let's pray that, one, that we would delight in Jesus Christ, that we would long to know him better, but also that we would share the hope of Jesus Christ with others. Because, friends, from based on this book and the scripture, the, the best way and the only way that we can genuinely be compassionate for others is to share the hope and the good news of Jesus Christ with them. If we try to show love and care apart from Christ, it's only temporary. But when we point people to Jesus Christ and the work that he's done on the cross, that relationship, that common bond will be forever. Let's thank God for his work and his grace in our life. Father, I want to thank you for this letter. I want to thank you for this deep love that you gave John to have towards Gaius. I thank you, Lord, that, he, that you inspired John to write this. Lord, I thank you for the joy that John had in Gaius. And the truth that he said, I have no greater joy than this, than to see my children walk in the faith. Father, I pray that you would draw us closer to you. Father, I pray that as we care for others, as we care for each other, Lord, we would pray for things like their well-being and, and certainly pray for the health of each other. But Lord, most importantly, I pray that it would be on our mind that we, that we pray that their soul would be well. Father, give us the joy of Christ. Give us the boldness to speak of Christ as we leave this place. Father, we love you. We thank you for the work that you've done in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.